Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have right here on from Turn. And we're learning about kind of the business case or the use case for why prospects and customers choose Turn. So, Rahir, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Turn? Yes. Hi, William. Thank you for the introduction. My name is Rahir Rahman. I'm the founder and CEO of Turn. We have built an autonomous hiring solution that helps high volume employers source, screen, and hire workers, particularly hourly workers. Okay, so let's start with the autonomous part yeah. and break that down for folks. Um, and then we'll go through short screen and, and uh, everything else. So most of the audience has already kind of keyed in on hourly versus uh, salaried. So you're already operating in an environment um, that doesn't have as many applications because so many of the applications are geared towards the salaried environment and yeah. you know large enterprise and stuff like that. So let's let's start with autonomous. When you say that, what? For, sure, the, for think, the average layperson, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, you know, I probably prefer to start one step back, even if that's helpful. Sure. Uh, you know, I think when we look at the hourly hiring space and we break out and we call talent acquisition, it really comes down to four areas. It comes down to how do you source talent, engage talent, select and hire talent. And within those four categories of talent acquisition, is a myriad of patchwork of service providers, you know, thousands of service providers. And what we historically saw that a lot of labor marketplaces and platforms would do is stitch together their own patchwork of these service providers. And by doing that, they are still operating at the speed of all of those connections and taking into account all of that margin and cost into it. So it becomes a slower hiring process and a more expensive hiring process. Now, what we did differently is we looked at that model and we said, you know, just being able to put together a patchwork doesn't make us any different than anyone else in the last 10, 15 years. And we have seen, you know, the carcasses that line the tarmac of the space. So, you know, where the innovation in our idea was in order to do this well, you really need to do three things well. One, we looked at the first two components of the TA space and said the sourcing and engagement space is really uh, an opportunity for talent intelligence. And in talent intelligence, you can leverage the advancements in artificial intelligence, machine learning that help uh, programmatically a platform be able to identify talent, where they live, at what block down to the street level, be able to understand how much people are making, what is the competitive nature of that space right now, what other jobs are these people uh, being you know, attracted to, what is the going rate, what is their travel commute times, all of the little data points that help inform whether one person is better suited for a job than another person. And that really is the talent intelligence side of our platform that we built from the ground up called Advise. And that is designed to help employers understand the marketplace for their jobs that they're trying to seeking out and who would be a good fit. The second part of the talent acquisitions ecosystem is the selecting and hiring side. 
And when we look at that side, we looked at what we call direct sourcing. We think that is the future of the space where you don't need to rely on staffing service solutions. You don't need to rely on the traditional recruitment uh, channels to find workers where we have the capability to leverage the, the talent intelligence side of our business, tie into our ready product, which helps us be able to identify the people, onboard them, screen them, uh, do the qualifications that they need, and then be able to provide them ready to hire. Now, part of that is our ready solution and our screen solution that are embedded together. And another important part of that is our proprietary candidate database that we have built from the ground up, which spans about 147 million people working Americans in the US. And that has a lot of data that is enriched from thousands of data sources and everything is permission driven. So it's whether you have opted in from your carrier side for your contact information to your LinkedIn profile, so other areas where you've provided consent. And we have you know, pieced together a very powerful database there. So when you combine the two components, talent intelligence, direct sourcing, and this powerful candidate database, we have a one-stop solution that really allows employers to be able to programmatically and autonomously hire hourly workers without the need for tons of recruiters, tons of HR folks, and the patchwork of hundreds of software solutions. I love this. So um, <clears throat> market-wise, in terms of size of company, uh, who are we going after? What's our target market? You know, I think for us, uh, you know, we have our e-commerce platform, which caters to any employer that's looking for less than 50 hires a month. And then what, what we're really designed for is the high-volume hire, high-volume employer, which I'm, I would probably put at as someone that's hiring anywhere between 500 to several thousand workers a month. That would be, you know, that, that encompasses everything from gig economy platform companies to retailers uh, like Lowe's or General Motors, you know, manufacturing companies, automotive. It spans almost every major industry. Uh, because one thing that, you know, we like to pride ourselves about is talk about, uh, raise the awareness of hourly hiring. You know, and pre-pandemic, when I would go to the Valley and talk about you know, the hourly hiring space, very few people had a true appreciation for how important it is for this convenience culture that we have created over the last decade that we all live in today. And now when you look around, you walk down the street and you look around at you know, apartment buildings, property management have hourly hiring. You know, so those companies are you know, potential customers of ours. Uh, you look at automotive, you know, a lot of these companies have a lot of hourly hiring. They would be potential customers of ours. Gig economy platforms, last mile delivery, logistics, transportation, hospitality, all of these spaces, even healthcare is a major uh, you know, potential customers of ours. You know, we look at staffing for nurses, uh, concierge medicine, pharmaceutical delivery, all of these areas are, are just ripe because they're so dependent on the hourly workforce. You know, one of the—I mean, first of all, I love the—I love the platform. I think uh, understanding the uh, the hourly worker different than the salaried worker. You know, the salaried worker. There's so much written, so many webinars, so much content that's written about what drives, you know, a salaried or professional service or knowledge worker, however you want to phrase it. Um, but you you mentioned in the, in the talent intelligence part, you mentioned two things that I thought were really interesting. There's many, but commute time. And even compensation, 
because uh, one of the things that, that at least I've picked up on uh, through others is that, you know, hourly folks will move for 20 cents more an hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, you know, you'd have to, you know, it'd be thousands of dollars for, for a professional services person to even consider moving, right? If it's, it's a yeah. lateral move, quote unquote, lateral move. What other things, what if we were demystifying the hourly worker? What are the things that we we should be talking about and kind of informing folks about? Yeah, I would say, you know, the two things, there's actually probably three things that naturally come to mind when I think about how do you improve engagement or retention of hourly workers? Um, I would probably say, you know, one of the first things that are important is going to be commute time, right? Uh, Their ability to kind of transport themselves from one location to another to service the job. That is something that's very undervalued, but super, supremely important. Second is obviously wage. And wage, the challenge with wage, and we have found in our experience, is that a lot of employers are just unaware of the competitive landscape. They understand there's a lot of competition, but they don't understand the impact of hourly, whether someone is pricing a job at $16 versus $17, or if $17.25 is going to get you the right conversion that you need versus 17. That delta, a lot of employers are willing to do. They just are unaware of that, that it's going to have an impact. So that's really where the talent intelligence, the advice platform comes into play, where we can really help people understand that. So I would say the second thing is obviously the wage difference. And, you know, wage is a hyper local issue, right? So when we, when we talk about the advice platform, we talk about things at a street or block by block level, because, you know, if you're working for, you know, one company, you know, th- you know, three blocks, four blocks away, there could be another offering that's slightly better, which, you know, doesn't affect your commute time, which can help, you know, increase your salary. So things like that, I think are very important to understand. Uh, the third thing I would say that people have talked about historically, but have been poor at executing is you know the benefits side of the world, right? Where what people really want uh, when we think about hourly workers is they don't really want a gig. What they want is the ability to have a 40-hour work week that might be more flexible, they can stitch together through multiple opportunities. And that's really where a lot of our intelligence is going into today. So we're trying to learn about those behaviors, learn about sector adjacencies, how people can go from say elderly care to child care. They can go from you know package delivery to food delivery, et cetera. Uh, you know, things like that, the nuanced things that can help people be able to kind of improve their mobility. And with that, figure out are there opportunities to be able to offer services down the road that could help uh, you know improve the, the quality of the worker and the retention of the worker. Yeah, I like that because it's it's leveraging the transferable skills. It's it's helping them unearth. Um, you've built this skill, you might not be, you know, you might not think of it as a skill, but you've built this skill through your experience. Oh, by the way, over here are other jobs that are hiring for that similar to that skill with a little bit of training. You can be awesome at that. And oh, by the way, it pays 50 cents more an hour. Um, so I, I, you know, I love, I, first of all, I love the idea of helping people guide people, especially in the hourly workforce, because they don't have a whole lot of career guidance, being able to, especially in a data-driven way, be able to serve things up and say, oh, by the way, you know, these are career paths now, exactly. uh, which, which happens in the salary market, but doesn't happen uh, in the hourly market. And yeah, I'll, I'll add to that. 
with some high level stats that I think some people are familiar with, but it really resonates to why this is a powerful story. You know, if every unemployed person in the country today found a job, we would still have nearly 5.4 million open jobs. So what that really helps point to is the fact that with the early retirements and lower immigration rates, we have left ourselves a country that's in a massive worker deficit. So when you're in a worker deficit, one of the most important things you need to do is improve worker productivity. And you need to have the hourly workers be able to discover other opportunities and improve and maximize their productivity. That will help our country as a whole. So I, I consider the hourly workforce to be a foundational pillar of our, our economy. And I think the solutions that we are building are helping employers get this, you know, get would be more productive on their acquisition of workers. And we want to be able to help workers be more productive in the discovery of opportunities. I love that. You know, I've, <clears throat> I've, I've said this for a while, but basically if we want to fill those jobs, we just open immigration. Yeah, you have to do something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, well. Status quo is not going to work. <laughs> no, no, it turns out, turns out, turns out it's not. You know, one of the myths I wanted to get your take on is what I've seen in, in like in the hourly market is retailers sometimes think that other retailers are competitors, not just for the share of wallet, the, the customer, but for talent. And I, I haven't had that experience. I've, I've had the experience, especially with people, let's say, under the, uh, the age of 22 or so, uh, maybe first jobs, et cetera, is they'll apply to a Taco Bell. They'll apply to McDonald's. They'll apply to Best Buy. They'll apply to Walmart. They'll apply, <laughs> you know, Airpost. Basically, any, any place in the mall that has a job opening, they'll apply to everything because they, yeah. they, don't, they don't look at it in the same competitive way as we do is in, you know, like for customers. What's first of all, are you, are you seeing some of the same things? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you are touching upon an interesting idea, which is uh, if you believe that your workforce is truly your asset, I think what employers need to do historically, they've perhaps not done as well, is you need to treat them like they're an asset, right? So that means, you know, wage, make sure their wages are competitive. Uh, make sure you can potentially create some incentive for engagement or retention, whether that's cash bonuses, some type of benefits, et cetera. And if, if it doesn't fall on the retailer to do that, then ultimately, you know, it might go somewhere else where a platform like ours can grow into something like that and help. But, you know, I think that's what's one side. From the worker side, we've historically found that the hourly space there isn't a tremendous amount of loyalty because it's not stitched together in a way where it can create that loyalty. Right. So, you know, it's, you, you, you can move for 25 cents, 50 cents extra an hour. Right. So I think what the challenge inherently lies is, you know, how can you make, you know, at the, the current problem we most people are talking about is the acquisition of talent. And the second side of it is the engagement or retention of talent. I think both things need to be addressed, but uh, you know, it's not. There's, I don't think there's a single silver bullet out there right now. But I think our platform as a whole definitely addresses the first part of the acquisition side, and we hope to grow into the second side, which is the engagement and retention, by leveraging the data that we are learning about where people are moving, how they are staying, what are the right amount of wages to keep people there. Once you have the data 
and you can start to understand the behavioral patterns of what makes a worker more successful at a specific job. And you can layer that on, we can help mirror that for employers and say, this is a cohort of workers that are optimal for you. Let's help find that optimal cohort again. And then by doing that, you know, we can help improve and, and help reduce the cost because you're, you're not losing as many of your workers over time. And I think that's, that's a big area of our focus and our data science team's focus. I love it. So let's move to the buy side for, for just a second. Um, questions that prospects should ask of turn. Like what, what, what are great questions uh, when you hear them from a, from a prospect or even customers? You know, when you hear the question, you're like, okay, <clears throat> they have the problem. They get it. Okay, now, let's, now these, these are wonderful questions. You know, I think what's always very helpful is I think most people within our, the buy side of our, our business, which would be the HR teams or the talent acquisition teams, I think what's important to understand is at a granular level, your own cost structure, right? What does it truly cost you to find a productive worker? Um, I always, the, the thing I always try to remind people is, it's not the average cost of a worker, it's the average cost of a productive worker, right? So that means I'm hiring somebody. Most people in the hourly space, it takes more time to hire someone than they stay at the job. Right. That is a crazy statistic. Right, right. right. And so what, what people tend to say is, you know, my cost of acquisition is X. But what they're failing to understand is because you have so much churn, that it's actually not X. The cost of a weighted average cost of a productive worker is magnitudes higher. That's right. And, and so when you, when you have to, for us, we tend to help recalibrate a little bit of what is going into the cost structure. I'll give you another example. It's often, uh, it's often very, when, you, when someone goes through the background screening side of the business, you know, it's not a one-to-one relationship. There's oftentimes, if you are, you know, background checking 10 people who are available to work, only seven are able to actually show up. So you are losing the cost of three people that you've already background checked. So the cost of those seven people who show up is really the 10 people's cost. So things like that are are nuanced things that a lot of employers are sometimes forgetting to factor in, which when they do realize that, it becomes this very powerful, uh, you know, understanding that their cost structure is, is, is very high. Uh, have you, have you had uh, many conversations in terms of, obviously uh, a lot of hourly is, is done over mobile. So we didn't talk about it, but it's probably at this point implicit, um, but speed, like the reaction time in terms of when uh, a candidate uh, applies to something and, if, if a company is slow to respond to that, et cetera, like, uh, are you, are you find yourself educating people as to kind of how important speed Absolutely. is? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, if we go back to the beginning of our conversation where I said the real vision for building turn was to be able to vertically integrate all of these services and right. intelligence and direct sourcing. The reason you do that is speed, right? right? You control the speed, you control the cost. And therefore, we're able to pass all of those benefits on to the employer. Uh, I'll give you a use case for a partner, uh, a delivery logistics platform that we helped in New York uh, last month. They were looking to hire you know, a number of workers in that space. Uh, they were using Indeed. 
we went up against Indeed to help show them the benefits of it. We were able to deliver 20 times the number of workers at 95% cost reduction. So it was not even close. Yeah. That's not and a fair fight. That's not a fair fight. Not a fair <laughs> fight, right? And and the reason, part of that reason is because of our proprietary candidate database, because of our talent intelligence, and because of our ready and screen platform that vertically integrates everything together. So we're able to move the candidate along a lot faster in the funnel than they were through Indeed or through any other services that they would use. So that thing is really important. The speed is vital to hourly hiring. In fact, I would say significantly more so than obviously in the, in the full-time space, which right. is why the full-time stack that a lot of people have retrofitted mm-hmm. for hourly hiring does not work. No, because it's not built and processes and the people, the people, the teams collaborate. Yeah. All, of, all of that's broken. All the service providers. Right. And, yeah. It's, it's, there's a brokenness because, uh, well, and it's interesting because speed, uh, before this little hiccup in it with a, a kind of a recession that we've talked ourselves into, uh, <laughs> speed was also important in the salaried market, especially uh, response time, we'll just call it what it is. Uh, but, but <clears throat> with the pandemic, it's, it's, it's also been highlighted in hourly that, you know, you have to be faster. You're just not going to be able to catch them. Uh, so, let me, let me ask you your favorite part of the demo when you get to actually show turn to people for the first time, kind of what's your favorite bit? Uh, that's a great question. You know, when I, when I think about the favorite moments, the favorite moment is probably when people say, you know, show me, show beats tell, right? So prove it. And when we, we love the idea of going up against anybody, right? And we, we, we put our technology stack against anyone else's. And you know, the use case for the delivery logistics platform in New York was great because when they did it, they said, you guys are really onto something. And they said, we've never seen anything like this. And you know, when you can show all the products come together in one platform, uh, the light bulb for the, for the employers really go off. And people are like, this is amazing. This can really help us. And, and it's not just because I believe our solution is superior to what happens in the industry, but I think it's the associated positive social impact of that, right? It's, it not only helps the employers get more people to work and it helps identify workers that are looking for opportunities and helps them get to jobs. So I think, you know, my, my favorite part is the, seeing the light bulb go off on employers that say, hey, I want this and I need this now. And, to, and for them to re- recognize that, hey, this can really help a lot of people. And, and seeing that the, the double bottom line impact, I think is something that I really appreciate as a founder of a company. Right here, this has been absolutely amazing. You're doing great work. Thank you so much for carving out time for us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much as well, William. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com. 